mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome again to the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am your host, Sean. With me today, as always, is Sean P. Say hello, Sean P. Guys, what's going on? We have a lot to talk about today, not the least of which is the reviews about the Samsung Galaxy S20 phones, most specifically the Galaxy S20 are coming out. We also have a wide variety of news covering things from why Mobile World Congress was canceled this year, uh, a couple of new phones from LG, Sony, and potentially Microsoft, and also just some general thoughts on the state of affairs of mobile in 2020. So. Um, I think the Samsung stuff's probably the biggest news. Should we start there? Sounds like a plan. Okay, let's dive right in. So Galaxy S20, primarily S20 Ultra reviews, Ultra reviews, easy for me to say, have dropped recently and um, kind of a mixed bag. So we thought when we talked about it in our review show, and uh, I'll link it in the show notes if you want to check that out as well, below. But um, we talked a lot about that the pricing might be a factor for some of these phones. And uh, it turns out that it might be a little bit more than that. So what did we hear in the initial wave of reviews? So just a recap here, the things we covered last time as far as specs and potential price points all ended up being largely accurate. So uh, the specs were right on and the pricing was also and just to kind of go over that real quickly, because I think it's a key part of what we're talking about. Um, the Galaxy S20 now starts at $999. The next one up, the S20 Plus, is $1,199. And the S20 Ultra does indeed start at a whopping $1,399. And just as a quick sidebar, um, I'm very much interested in getting my wife a new phone this year. She's had the Galaxy S9 for about two years. And uh, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And we sat down this weekend and started looking at it. And that $200 jump between the S20 5G and the S20 Plus 5G has really given her some pause. I think she would, and I have uh, kind of Jedi mind tricked her into wanting the larger size display. It's basically effectively the same size as my OnePlus 7T. And when she carried it around, her first question was, um, how do I like my phone? I said, I love it, the size doesn't bother me. And the second question she had was, will it fit into the pocket of my yoga pants? And we were able to answer that question effectively. But then when we sat down and started talking about it, she said, well, what's it gonna cost? And I said, well, with your trade-in and rebate, the S20 5G is $699 and the S20 Plus is $899. And that's mm, that's kind of a, a steep jump. And so she's she's got some pause. And so I think that a lot of people, kind of like you alluded to, uh, may have some sticker shock with that. You should buy the bigger one. Um, here's what we learned no argument. from the reviews though. I think what we've learned is we've kind of hit peak smartphone for the form factor that we have now, and that a lot of people now are just looking at the price and going, this isn't worth it. So when you're looking at kind of the overview of reviews, they all say a lot of what they normally say for a Samsung phone, which is best screen in the business. The 120 hertz is awesome. It's got this 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Battery life's great, even if you have the 120 hertz turned on. Um, it has all the kind of Samsung bells and whistles, SD card, wireless charging, all of that stuff. Uh, I think what we're also seeing is everyone is kind of like, well, it, if you live in an area that has 5G, you can get it sometimes and that's fine, but it largely doesn't make a difference. Um, but they're charging us more for it, which is kind of a bummer. And then I think the biggest thing with the Ultra Review so far is the camera, because this was the area that Samsung really kind of hung its hat on this year. And we talked about this in the last pod, which is other people are improving their camera and they were kind of going for it. They were including this 
new 108 megapixel camera. Um, they have the telephoto, the 100x zoom lens and all of that nonsense. And I think what we've learned is this. Um, the 108 megapixel sensor does some cool stuff in good lighting. It seems to take really, really good pictures with great detail. But what we've also found is it has some issues that could be all software-based or may actually be a hardware problem. So the first issue is it has problem auto-focusing. So a number of reviewers said as they were reviewing the phone, at first they thought maybe they were just, you know, to quote Apple, holding it wrong or something. and Doing and, it wrong. Yeah, yeah, ending up with blurry photos. But it turns out that there's an actual issue with the actual autofocus. And then the other issue that uh, The Verge did a really, Dieter in specifically did a really nice job of outlining is it has a mode where when it detects a face, it changes really the exposure of the picture completely. It, it tends to be more orange to my eye and it softens. It does like a beauty filter on the face. And so uh, the point that he was making is this means you have a camera where you really don't know from picture to picture what you're getting. So there's nothing worse than inconsistency, I think, when you have a camera. In still photography, absolutely. And then this turned into kind of a mini, uh, I don't know, thing, I guess, because you had Samsung then ingest a lot of this from a number of reviewers and say, okay, well, we're going to release a firmware update that's going to fix this. And then on the internet, it seemed to kind of break down a little bit with some people saying, well... I'm releasing my review as is because this is the camera, this is the phone as I have it, this is the camera as it exists now. Um, and there was some people saying, well, I think you should wait until the firmware is upgraded to see if they fixed it. Uh, I think Michael Fisher did a, Mr. Mobile did a really nice job of outlining this. And I, I basically agree with his and Dieter's assessment, which is, I think there was no embargo from, from what I'm hearing. And you review the phone for the way it is because We've heard promises from companies all over the years of we're going to fix our camera via software. And like 99 times out of 100, that doesn't end up being the case. At least. So I think what this really boils down to is this. Right now, the camera does some cool things and the phone overall is great, but it costs $1,400. And I think largely what you're seeing across the board in the reviews is it's not worth $1,400. And maybe, maybe the question really here is, is any phone worth $1,400? Well, and those are certainly very valid questions. And I had—I happen to have the Verge review up in front of me. So uh, the, the category labeled bad stuff lists main camera softens faces too much. It's a beauty smoothing kind of aspect we're talking about. Main camera hunts for autofocus. Autofocus is a big deal, especially if what we're talking about is a scenario where the camera you have with you is this smartphone camera. So it's absolutely got to get autofocus right. The space, 100X, space zoom, 100x zoom, and the 108 megapixel photos are mostly gimmicks. And by that, they mean to say that the quality of the images you're producing from the 100x zoom are mostly unusable. And that the 108 megapixel isn't always used. It's mostly using a pixel binning technique to basically take more data and shrink it down and just give you a higher quality, higher resolution image. So you're not really... I mean, it's a larger sensor. We talked about this in terms of microns. It's just a very big sensor for a smartphone, but it doesn't really dramatically, at least it seemed produced anything different than most of the smartphone images that like the iPhone 11 Pro and the Google Pixel 4 are capable of producing. And the last item is expensive for the value. And I think that in listening to the Verge cast, um, Nilay Patel kind of articulated this the best. And that is basically, you should never buy a smartphone based on promises from the OEM or anyone else that they're going to release software updates that will make it better. You should buy it for what it is today. And if you're talking about a smartphone that costs $1,400, that some of the main features it touts are basically gimmicks or not really able to be used in the way that the software or the OEM is saying that you can use them, 
Autofocus is definitely a problem, which is strange because it doesn't seem to be a problem for the smaller S20 and S20 Pluses, although most of the review units that were seated out into the wild are mostly the Ultras, so maybe there is some issues with those and maybe there isn't, we just don't know about it yet. Um, but the problems are real. The camera, which again, you've already mentioned, Samsung's kind of hung their hat on this year, seems to be a little bit hit or miss. And at the price, I think you can do better. And you know, maybe smartphone cameras or maybe smartphones in general shouldn't cost $1,400. We're getting to a point where that is kind of the top end of the expectation. And you know, you can spend probably $1,300 or $1,350 on an iPhone 11 Pro Max in certain configurations. So there are ways to get to that number. But for the average person, if you are looking at, okay, what is the drastic difference between these two phones? I might argue that you shouldn't spend $1,400 on the Ultra because of its problems. And if the smaller versions don't have them, you should absolutely spend less and get a better experience. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. The 100X Zoom, like, reeks of old school, like, Samsung Galaxy S5 era nonsense, which is, it, basically, you can zoom, and then they're Thanks using Thanks, Code stuff. Zero. Yeah, we still Coke, we're waiting for our sponsorship deal. Still having to pay for this stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, it's one of those things that reeks of the old days of Samsung, where they have a feature that is out there, but largely, like, irrelevant. It's for marketing purposes, to the point. I mean, they stamped the stupid 100X Space Zoom on the back of the phone, but... The, the thing that's really stupid about this in my eyes is when you're looking at the reviews and seeing things, the zoom is really cool between like 10 and 30x, like yeah. which really in you know day-to-day -day use when you're taking pictures, 30x is freaking amazing, 10 probably more than enough. And it's like when you look at a comparison of the 10x zoom with something like the Pixel 4 that's doing it in software, even the Huawei P30 Pro, I think that that S20 Ultra actually does a better job. So it's like, why did they have to do it? I mean, surely someone was sitting around in these marketing meetings going, yeah, it does 100X, but it looks like shit. We're still way ahead of the curve if we do 10 to 30X and it looks pretty good. Like, I don't understand why they had to go that extra mile and then stamping the 100X space zoom nonsense on the back really does reek of just kind of, I don't know, the old kind of bizarre marketing crap that Samsung would do. And it just seems to serve no purpose. Like all the reviewers are kind of laughing. It's like, yes, it does 100x. And yes, you can actually do that. And I don't know if you're stalking someone and you want to creep them and, and you want to use the 100x zoom, I, I guess this is a selling point. But I think for most normal people, just having the best in the business right now anyway, 10x to 30x telephoto zoom that you can actually use every day would have been more than enough. So why? Why do it? Yeah, and I think, and I'm trying to remember, um, I think it, it might be Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal who had an article that I kind of touched on recently where... Um, Is this a detective one? The yeah, private eye where, one? Yeah, basically it was like the PI was using the 100X Zoom to capture her leaning out of her window in New York City from across the street. And you could tell she was like, had a, a mud mask on or something like that. So it, it does really seem like a niche, almost unusable style product. And actually in, in terms of recent smartphone OEMs, the thing that comes to my mind is the um, the the Pixel 4 uh, XL, Pixel 4 and 4 XL wave your hand, motion gestures, crap. Soli. Yeah, the Project Soli stuff, which again was touted very highly as, oh, you can skip tracks on your phone or you can go backwards or you can silence an alarm by just moving your hand towards the, the, the phone and the radar will pick up the gestures and, and kind of contextually understand what it is that you want to do. And by and large, 
reviewers, once they got these devices in their hands and actual people started using it, they're like, eh, it doesn't really work the way that I need it to. And it's also unnecessarily draining my battery. I kind of equate that to the 100X Zoom where it's kind of like, we're gonna stamp this on the back of the phone so that people look at it and go, holy crap, like space zoom, that must be great, right? And then you buy the phone, you go, eh, I don't, I don't really don't wanna look at those images because they're garbage. So it sounds like the market for the 100X Zoom are shitty private investigators that can't afford actual camera equipment or people that wanna stock like ex-girlfriends It's fair. in New York. Yeah. I, and quite honestly, if you were gonna do that, I can get a good telephoto, the Panasonic G7 that I'm recording this video on right now has a, a much bigger sensor size, even though it's micro four thirds, than the Samsung S20 Ultra. And um, I could get a good telephoto and probably all of that and spend less than $1,400. So yeah, again, like I, I guess what's the point here? So uh, another thing you alluded to, we have not really seen much in the way of S20 or S20 Plus reviews, so I don't think we Correct. really know yet. I would imagine that the 12 megapixel primary sensor they're using in that is kind of an evolutionary upgrade from their old sensor. So it'll be interesting to see if it has these same software quirks. Um, of the things that we've talked about, I think that Samsung probably should be able to fix the overexposure in face mode via software. That seems likely to me. The autofocus, I don't know if it's a hardware problem or a software problem. Um, so I, I think they probably will be able to improve some of this. But then again, like it costs $1,400. I mean, it should be perfect and they must have known at least about some of these things before it released um and i don't know i just hear a lot of arguments from a lot of people saying that probably the the less expensive two phones um you know kind of are the way to go and i think that uh i, I would kind of echo that sentiment although i might say it a little bit differently i might say for 1400 dollars, i would certainly expect it to be a finished product and i don't think it is a finished product at this point especially if we're getting albeit conflicting reports from Samsung that they're going to release a software patch. So some markets, they said it, they were going to release a patch that was going to directly improve the camera quality. I think that was the Korean market, maybe the European market. Um, some folks, including Dieter from The Verge, reached out to Samsung directly to provide that feedback. And they said, Samsung replied with, yeah, we're, we're putting together uh, updates, but we're constantly um, releasing updates to improve the quality of our smartphone. So it was a lot more vague and it was a lot more like, well, okay, was that gonna fix the problem or is it not gonna fix the problem? And so I think that realistically, if anybody was going to spend that much money on a phone, they probably should get into the S20 Plus. Uh, and at least if what you're expecting is a finished product, if you're kind of like us where you like to live on the bleeding edge and having a new phone every year doesn't really bother you and price kind of isn't an object, then, well, kind, kind of. I wish. Sponsor well, me, Coke Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Says the man who has money saved for a Galaxy Fold 2. Um, but the, uh, the real gist of this story here is this phone is probably not for most people. And as much as Samsung might really try and release phones for everyone at every price point, you know, you can, you can realistically expect their flagship to be amongst the best of everything. But I think that this year, maybe they, they didn't get it right. Um, and in a way, it's kind of like a first generation product. It's kind of like the first generation Galaxy Fold. I think the S20 and S20 Pluses are much more in line with what we're used to seeing in terms of Galaxy products, which probably means that in in relation to where most consumers will land, those phones are still expensive. They're absolutely expensive. Although if you have last year's phone or, or a decent you know, iPhone that you're trading in, you can get $600 off, which kind of takes a little bit of the sting out of that trade-in value. But the, the S20 Ultra, I think for the most part right now, um, I'm what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling is this is a stay away from it. 
Yeah, and also it's really funny to watch Samsung do the mental gymnastics of sales are off to a slow start in South Korea, and they're, of course, blaming the coronavirus because it's coming for us all, and I, I guess life's pretty much over. But uh, I have an alternate reason for perhaps why sales are slow, Sean Spring. I, I can't imagine what that might be. And, and I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a marketing expert here. Um, the phones are too fucking expensive. I mean... <laughs> The S10e started at $749. They basically hiked a 33% premium as a starting point. And I'm sorry for Joe Average Person. I don't see how how you that's justifiable. It's a great phone, but for fuck's sake, it starts at a thousand. The range is now $1,000 to $1,400 is the starting skew for each one of their phones. And then it actually ridiculously can get even more expensive depending on how high you want to go. And... I do think you're seeing in the reviews a little bit with the S20 Ultra, like that is baked in. It's $1,400. Like I hear what you're saying. Maybe it's too much to expect perfection. I don't know what perfection is, but it's like, I have an idea. Try it at $800, $1,000, and $1,200, and I bet probably people will be slightly more forgiving with some of these things. And also your sales would be better. But if you're going to do this, man, you have to justify it. I just don't see it. Like the phones are too good now. What... What is the premium difference between an S10 Plus, which I can get for like, what, 600 bucks now, Probably. and a double S20 Plus? And it's like, there are differences, but it's 5G, don't give a shit. Uh-uh. 120 hertz screen, I'm not sure people care that much. Um, I don't The cameras are upgraded, but again, it wasn't like they were taking shit pictures before, and most people that aren't professional photographers... Do you notice that much of a difference? I don't know. Uh, most people that are professional photographers aren't using their smartphones as their primary camera. Now, I, I will absolutely agree with you, and I'll use kind of two anecdotes, one of which I've already talked about. So my wife was looking at new phones. She wanted the pink one. Um, the pink one's only available in the smaller size, which is kind of weird, but that also happens to be the cheaper one. So she's really like, do I want to spend $200 more, get a slightly larger phone, and not get the color that I want? And it just... She, yes is the answer. More than likely, She's yes. She's going to cover with a case anyway. True. But the price point gave her pause. Not the color so much. But the price point gave her pause. Like, do I really want to spend $200 more to get a negligible, maybe, user experience? Now, you could argue battery life. You could argue that the larger screen size screen size does make a better user experience. But at $200 jump, she's at least thinking about it. Uh, one of her cousins also reached out to me as making the jump from uh, for his wife. Um, from iOS to Android and asked me for my opinion. And I kind of said, well, you know, I think you're probably looking at the Pixel 4 XL, which you can get, you know, for like 750 bucks right now from best slash worst buy. And um, also the Galaxy S10 or S10 Plus. And he came back to me. It's like, yeah, we're, we're looking maybe at the S20. Also, we're going to go over to the Samsung Experience store over in Glendale and check it out. Glendale. And then he got back to me. He's like, yeah, we can't, we can't afford the S20. It's just too much money. So we're probably going to go with the S10 series. And I think that that kind of touches on what you're, what you're talking about. Like people are feeling the sting. Like if I could get 90% of that phone in an $800 price point, so the S10 Plus versus spending $1,100 for the S20 Plus, like that's a huge difference for most people. And if you're like me and don't necessarily value like the camera experience so much, like a OnePlus phone, again, is a great option. I can throw the Google camera port on here because I'm a nerd and I can figure it out. I can still take good quality pictures from this. And the stock camera is also still probably for the most part good enough for most people. I'm just used to the Pixel experience and the software magic that Google does. And so that's why I want it. But would I rather spend... $699 699 for this phone or 1199 for the S20 Plus. It's the OnePlus phone all day. Yeah, 
we'll we'll see what happens. But I have I have a feeling that the S twenty series may not sell as well. And um, real quick before we hop onto the next topic, we should probably talk. They did indeed announce and uh, start selling the Galaxy Z Flip shortly after introduction, mm-hmm. which is their second folding phone. It's a clamshell. No flip. Um, and there was some. You know, this is the ultra thin glass, as rumored. Uh, it still has a crease, but the crease doesn't look nearly as bad. And, it's and, not awful. And the reviews seem to say that the screen is actually quite improved. Uh, there was a little bit of, I don't know, Jerry Rig everything did controversy. I guess is the word. Jerry Rig everything did his test, and it was still scratching it like a two. And everyone's like, "It's not glass; it's plastic." Samsung had kind of said in their video that it's actually ultra thin glass with a plastic covering over it to kind of you know prevent nicks. So. It's still fragile, but the overall reviews on that phone seem to be, eh, it may not be worth the price for what it is, but it's pretty cool and a giant leap forward from the fold. And, and you know, people who like it seem to really like it. There are some actual nice things. It seems, you know, you can fold it in half and toss it in your pocket, which is a, a, a not a inconsiderable thing for a lot of people, especially I've seen a lot of women. Like I saw, I forget who it was. Uh, one of the reporters say it was really nice to have a phone you could just toss in, like, you know, women have really shallow pockets, I guess, in their jeans because the world is completely unfair, and so it makes it a lot easier to, to kind of tote around. Checks out. But um, it's a, it seems to be really neat. It's selling out. Uh, they're doing, like, limited batches, so it seems to sell out every batch. Um, but uh, it seems like they've made quite a leap forward there, and in some ways, to me at least, the Z Flip is way more interesting than uh, any of the other phones that Samsung announced. Yeah, I think that we've talked about like foldables are definitely the future. We're not there yet, but um, there's some there are some good alternatives that are starting to emerge. And we'll talk about the Surface Duo, which is kind of a different take on that. And we'll talk about the LG V60 with its um, second screen cover, which is kind of a little bit of a different take on that. But <clears throat> you brought up something recently that um, I thought was really... Uh, you brought up something in a joking way that I think is really starting to kind of factor into most people's minds. And that is that the coronavirus is taking over the world. And as a result, the 2020 Mobile World Congress uh, in Barcelona has been canceled. And it is solely due to concerns over the coronavirus, otherwise known as COVID-19. I think the good news here, though, is I really trust our current administration and Mike Pence to to control this. I feel like we're probably we're in good, competent hands. <clears throat> Little hands, in fact, for our president. Tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny orange hands. Um, but this is this is a big deal. So Mobile World Congress is one of the largest smartphone events held every year, and a number of influencers and reviewers and technology outlets, media outlets, were very surprised that this actually happened. And there, you can point to a number of different reasons as to why that might be, but largely what was stated was that it was concerns over folks coming in from Asian markets that might be infected with the coronavirus and that that virus might use the event as a way to spread outside of its current uh, environment, which it seems like we did a really good job of containment because uh, the coronavirus is now pretty much in most places in the world anyways, uh, unless you're watching this in Antarctica. But I think that the fact that this large an event, one of the main tech events every year, along with um, IFA in Berlin and along with um, uh, blah, blah, blah. what's the trade show in Vegas in January? Uh, CES, CES yeah. along with CES, IFA, and Mobile World Congress, these are some of the biggest mobile events every years, uh, every year. And the large smartphone vendors, the Apples, the Samsungs, the Googles of the world, are going to host their own events, and it's not going to matter. Uh, mobile World Congress got canceled; uh, we weren't going anyway. 
But for other smaller smartphone vendors, you know, medium to small size companies, this could have a huge impact on their bottom line. And as we'll talk about a few of them later, the fact that it was canceled is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's not only them, like uh, Facebook, who, by the way, is probably the worst company on planet Earth. Um, Checks out. Shout out to you, Zuck, you dick. Um, they canceled a giant event in Florida that they were going to have. Uh, and then there's also some chatter already about uh, if Google I.O. might get canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even been talk of the Olympics in Japan getting canceled, potentially on how bad this all flares up. And we're starting to see, you know, look, at this point there's a lot of rumors and the media sensationalizes everything. So God knows where we're actually at. It's, it's difficult to get through all the noise. But, um, you know, Samsung, Apple, they have had to close some of their plants at various points in time due to outbreaks. There were some rumors that depending on how bad the outbreak gets in China, it could actually impact the launch of the next iPhone and delay it potentially. Mm-hmm. Apple's already come out and given guidance saying that their Q1 is probably going to have some drag on it as a result yeah, a of big supply hit, disruptions, supply chain disruptions, etc. So, uh, you know, this is a thing. And look, I tend to take the long view on these things because we've gone through like the Ebola scare, SARS, H1N1, uh, bird, bird flu, which bird flu. might have been one of those. Um, yep. So, you know, this one seems bad mostly from the perspective of it seems to be uh, way more contagious than those. So if the mortality rate is the same, but way more people get it, then more people are dying, right? Um, And so I I think everyone should be cautious, and this warrants a lot of the kind of prep, at least, that we've been talking about. But yeah, as an impact of the tech industry, you do forget sometimes about how interconnected all of these things are. And it's like, look, when China is going through one of these things and they're shutting down production lines and these things are happening, it's like, pretty much every electronic I think we buy is impacted. So it's, it's you know, yeah. <clears throat> the list of companies that had pulled out prior to the official cancellation includes LG, ZTE, uh, Ericsson, NVIDIA, Intel, Vivo, Sony, and Amazon. And then after that, uh, Cisco, Nokia, and HMD also canceled appearances shortly thereafter. So while not necessarily huge other than maybe like Amazon and NVIDIA and Intel in the American market, these are major global companies that are canceling their one of their largest events that they've spent a lot of time preparing for over concerns about the communication and the infectious nature of COVID-19. So it's, it's a real thing. And it will impact the bottom line. The estimate for some of the financial and economic impact of this is in the hundreds of millions. And The Verge, <clears throat> thanking them in advance for their coverage, has indicated that it generates an economic impact annually of about 492 million euros and also houses about 14,000 part-time jobs for the duration of the event. So these are big impacts that are absolutely going to be felt by a number of different companies, as well as just a general consumer, because these are jobs that won't exist for people who were probably counting on that income. And after hearing all that, you know, the thing that stands out most to me, the fact that Ericsson was going to be there, they still make stuff. I think they, they <laughs> might make washing machines. I'm not sure. Um, I do have an NVIDIA Shield TV and side mini rant. How come NVIDIA can't keep their new and admittedly way better remote in stock? It's like 30 bucks. I want to buy it. I've gotten two emails saying, hey, this is back in stock. And literally by the time I read the email, log on to the internet and go to purchase it, it's sold out again. Seriously, NVIDIA, a remote. Come on, man. Just get it back in stock. I actually spoofed their email address and I've been the one sending you those uh, in stock notices just to mess with your psyche. God damn it. All right, moving on because you, you actually keyed on. So this is a nice segue to uh, LG, which was one of the people that had canceled. But they've announced 
their next flagship-ish phone. And we use the word flagship in quotation marks because we do know some things about it. We also don't know a lot of things about it. But let's talk about what we do know. Okay, so we have... And God, their names are awesome. But we're going to get to... Se- I was I was going to say they're the worst. <laughs> but we're going to do Sony next. Uh, they're second yeah. worst. You may want to... Uh, <laughs> LG says, we have the worst naming conventions of all of our mobile yeah. line. And Sony says, hold my hold beer. My beer. <laughs> um, so we have the LG V60 Think 5G. Thin Q? Thin Q. I'm calling it Thin Q. I refuse to call it the Think. Okay, fine. I'm not yeah. doing it. It's the Thin Q... Then cram it in their pie hole until they get a better name. Um, so what we have here is a very large phone. So apparently the G series is either dead or going to be later, I guess, in the year. And the, I guess the V series is taken over as their new de facto flagship. But um, it is a large phone. It has a 6.8 inch FHD plus. That's 2460 by 1080 OLED panel. This is kind of weird because every V series has been. Uh, QHD before this. This is actually a downgrade. Um, I think also basically the last from the, I don't know, since the G2, no, the G3 to the G7 they were, and maybe in the G8 they were also QHD. And then the, I know the the G8 Plus or whatever the hell that phone was, was FHD, but it looks like Mm -hmm. they, I'm guessing this is a cost-cutting measure of drop down to FHD. Um, And also it's strange here, they're sticking at 60 hertz, so no high refresh. Mm which is bizarre. Some of the other OEMs have dropped down to FHD, but that was because they wanted to have a high refresh screen and kind of balanced out the battery life. Samsung did the, we still have a QHD, you can run it at 60, or you have the FHD and you can run it at 120 mode. These guys are just doing the plain old FHD plus with 60 hertz, which I I think literally every other flagship this year is likely to have some kind of high refresh rate. So this is a bizarre decision. It's very bizarre because you've got 90 hertz is kind of slowly becoming the de facto standard and 120 is becoming kind of a the direction where other companies are moving towards. And, you know, there have been 120 hertz LCD panels. So the um, Razer phone had that high refresh rate and it was an LCD, the, the IGZO LCD technology. But um, OnePlus has a 90 hertz full HD panel. And the 90 hertz makes a difference. I'm here to tell you that if you don't think that you want a high refresh rate phone and you're not willing to spend that much money extra, you should go and see one in person and use it. And after you use it and you spend a little bit of time with it, you're probably not going to want a 60 hertz phone anymore. And that's not to say that quad HD at 60 hertz isn't good. It's it's not vivid. It's not sharp. It is all of those things. But higher refresh rates are definitely where we want to go in terms of fluidity and smoothness and just improving and optimizing the user experience, the user interface experience. And the fact that LG is throwing a 60 hertz panel in their flagship smartphone is just mind boggling. Yeah, it's kind of weird too. I think it was Fisher's review. He was like, oh, I don't really notice that much difference on the high refresh on the S20. And I'm like... He lies. Man, I, well, maybe this is a thing where if your eyes see it, your eyes see it. But to me, it's like, it's the difference between a 14.4 modem and like broadband as far as like the way things load and move. It's way different. So I, I don't know. But, you can tell the difference 100%. So uh, what else do we have here? We have um, 8 gig of RAM, 128 gigabytes of built-in storage with SD card. Um, it has Wi-Fi 6 on board, a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, which actually, like, of all the things on there, is pretty neat. It with, is good. With a 60 hertz FHD screen, I would imagine the battery life should be pretty awesome, although LG's 
OLED screens are less efficient than Samsung, so that hasn't always borne out. Um, they're bringing back the second screen case with it, which it, it looks like you get for free, I guess, when you get the phone. That's my understanding, um, too. And it's kind of a neat throw-in. I mean, as far as things that people give away, it's it's... I'm looking at the Verge's piece on this. We reference the Verge a lot. They're doing good work these days. Um, and for a while, actually. I don't know why I'm saying these days. No, and That's they, not a shot. No. Um, <laughs> and they're an outlet that generally gets uh, a lot of these releases early, so it helps to understand when you have somebody who's had it in the hands for a little while. You know, Silicon Theory is awesome and as globally popular as we are. Um, just haven't had the same kind of reach yet. So, um, and I'm looking at it too. They also, one of the things that I do really like is that their video and their um, video coverage and their photography coverage is also excellent. So some people do really good at one, some people do really good at the other. The Verge has a, a number of talented people working on their team that does both. So um, yeah, we'll reference it. And Dean just kind of has like a soothing voice. I've met Dieter in person. He's very nice. I spoke with him at the uh, Red Hydrogen event, and uh, he was literally, side tangent, he was literally sitting on the floor with his laptop, like banging out his review and his first thoughts after being one of the only people allowed to shoot video inside that room. Uh, all of the media that were there, including myself, were told, uh, yeah, no videography during the event. Um, I talked to uh, Andrew Edwards from um, Gear Live and a couple of the kids who were still working down at um, Techno Buffalo at the time, uh, and, and none of them were allowed to film. And when I asked, I'm like, hey, wh why Dieter got his camera out and he's shooting video when they told us to leave our cameras outside? Andrew Edwards replied, it's The Verge. Of course they were allowed to. So uh, there you go. We we like we like the Verge. That's yeah, the takeaway here. They're, they're, they're right. great. They're fine. Uh, what else? Um, you have uh, dual rear cameras. Um, the primary is now a sixty-four megapixel with a one and one point. What is it? One over one point seven inch sensor. Yep. I, don't, I don't know what that is. Yep. It has more light. I know that's what it's lighting. It's lighting big. In. Um, and then they have still a thirteen megapixel ultra wide with one hundred seventeen degree field of view. Uh, there is no. Uh, as far as I know, telephoto or anything. It sounds like there's a time of flight. Um, so, uh, let's talk other odds and ends. It still has their quad hi-fi DAC, which is something they've kind of hung their hat on. And it also still has a headphone jack. So, for those of you looking, you know, that's kind of a nice nicety. Yeah. Um, wireless charging. Um, still has a small notch. Uh it doesn't bother me. The notch looks fine. It's, it's kind of it's kind it's, of weird actually. It's whatever. It's, it's kind of big in relation to some of the other uh, OEMs notches these days. Kind of, and it's very um, it's very symmetrical. It reminds it, me of the essential notch. Yeah, it does exactly remind me of the essential notch. Whereas more of the um, kind of like that waterfall or teardrop notch. Um, on the 6T from OnePlus, it was really pronounced. On the 7T, it's a lot less pronounced, and I noticed it a lot less, which is kind of nice. This, for some reason, and maybe it was just the wallpaper that the Verge used in their still photography, just like it stands out to me more, and it just seems like LG could be doing better in that space. But. Cool. Um, I, I basically agree. And uh, now let's talk about the kind of the most important pieces, are, which are the release date and the price. Um, oh. Oh, wait. Wait. What? Just like with every LG phone ever that I can ever remember, they did the same thing as always. They released a phone that has no release date and no price. I'm, I'm, I have a soft spot in my heart for LG. We've worked with them in the past. I've attended several of their events. Uh, several of their events. I've been to one of their events and got several press releases for other things. And I just, I don't, I like them. I just don't know why they do this. Why would you announce a phone that you don't know when it's going to come out? And you don't know how much it's going to cost. 
explain to me, Sean P., the uh, arbiter of all things logical and explanatory. Explain to me, the lay person, what possible advantage or benefit could LG be receiving from being so obscure about these details? I have no idea. And I wish they would stop doing it because this is one of those things where if they had announced a prize, someone might actually take a moment and go, wow, these S20 phones are freaking really expensive. I still want 5G. I'm still getting a flagship processor at a big screen. Cool, they're throwing in the second screen thing and it only costs 799 let's say, for sake of argument. I want a headphone jack. I like the quad DAC. It's like, you might actually convert some buyers that way. I, I wouldn't be one of them, but you might, right? But now, as a consumer, probably I don't know this exists because the people that are reading this kind of coverage are probably people that are interested in tech. Um, and when you look at it in its totality, it's like, why would I buy this? Based on what I know, why would I wait for this phone? They had an opportunity, especially in their marketing slash, you know, uh, get the word out machine. They had an opportunity to differentiate themselves specifically on price and specifically on a couple of features that the S20 devices won't have. So headphone jack, number one, uh, comes with a second screen. So it kind of is a foldable. It's kind of not a foldable, but you know, if they're going to throw it in for free, you know what? Hype the hell out of it. And they had an opportunity to do that. They wanted to get the information out there. They did that. And then people went, okay, when can I get it? And you know, how much is it going to cost? What would influence me to buy this over the Samsung phones? And LG's like, we'll get back to you. Like, what? I think what? it's worse than that. I don't think people did ask those questions because they don't even know it exists, right? Like, Ouch, I'm sorry. If, if you're going in and you're shopping phones, I feel like you fall into a couple subsets of consumer. It's like, I want an iPhone consumer. I want a Galaxy consumer, right? Yeah. And then you may have someone that's just curious, I suppose, or price conscious or those kinds of things, right? So th those people may just be browsing and you may be able to grab them if you're LG. I guess that's a potential thing that could happen because you could be having a value proposition or offering something that the others aren't. But without a price, without a release date, without a presence, I don't know. What, where does... The, what... <sighs> I just, I just, I, I don't understand. I don't either. I don't understand. We've, I don't, we've talked about it at length. So it falls into that. It looks like a fine phone category to me. And I don't think anyone will buy it category. Agreed. And we've had this conversation for the last couple of years. Um, LG makes some good phones, not really good phones, but they make good phones and they have some compelling features to them. But if nobody knows about it and they're overpriced as they traditionally have been in the last couple of variants, um, we had, do we have the V40 or do we have the V50? We have the V40. The and, V40. And uh, it was a good, solid phone. Like if they had released it at a reasonable price point, I think it would have sold in reasonable enough numbers that people would have, um, that they would have had justification in continuing that brand. And they just, you know, LG keeps falling down to the point where every year we ask the question, is this going to be the year that LG folds? Yeah, and turns out, no. By the way, though, like the G8X was 699 with the case. Which I would consider to actually be a fairly attractive a price, price point. point. Like yeah. I might go in and I might pull a... I probably wouldn't personally, but someone might. But it's like... Recommend it. I don't know. I just don't know what their strategy is or who they're trying to appeal to or what they're doing. And it's too bad because, to your point, like the V40 that we had as a review unit compared to like my Note 8, for instance, was pretty freaking comparable. Like, yeah. I, you know, and really good in a lot of ways and less expensive. And I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, LG. You want advice for for your average consumers? Hit us up. You know where to find us. My advice: stock Android, stock Android, lower price point. Release your phones with an actual date and price point. That would help. Well, I'll say this: wouldn't hurt.
That's for sure. So what, what, where do you want to go next? Do you want to talk about, um, since we were talking about weird phones that people probably won't buy that are overpriced, um, that would lean us more towards the Sony Let's Xperia go Sony. Phone? Let's do it. Okay. We'll save, the, we'll save the duo for last then. So Sony announced their new flagship phone, the Sony Xperia 1 2 or 1 2 eyes or 1 2 little eyes. Or one Mark II? Do we do we know? I think it's Mark II. I, I think you're right, and I think we had this conversation uh, via chat, and I said, "What what the hell are they going to call this phone? The one two? Like, what? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I I can't. I just don't. I actually think at this point, like, I've given this a fair amount of thought, and going over their naming conventions over the years, which have been like just bananas. Um, X, Z, the XZ, when they just merged it together. They've tried numbers. They've, if they went from 10 to 1 at one point, I feel like literally they just must have like a room full of trolls that are like, how can we come up with the most nonsensical name possible just to fuck with people? That's, I'm 100% sure that that's accurate because when I think of Sony, I think of three things primarily, right? So, Number one, uh, super tall, skinny phones, like crazy 21, 21 and a half, 22 by nine aspect ratios. I think of t- terrible cameras, like objectively terrible, which makes zero sense because they make the sensors for most of these phones that are legit good. Yes. And number three, the most horrid names that you would never actually utter out of your mouth to tell people that you were thinking about buying or had actually purchased one of these phones. That's what I think of when I think of Sony. Changed my mind. No, I, I, look, the ultimate irony here is this photo actually looks pretty nice in some ways. So you do have the 21-9 aspect ratio, which for media and other things actually makes more sense than some of these other weird aspect ratios we've seen. Yeah. They've got the chin down to almost non-existence with a very small forehead, no notch. I actually think the design is quite nice. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, it's they, okay. It has a 6.5-inch... 4K AMOLED, so it's 3840 by 1644. Um, so they're really going for it. Uh, they also have not jumped on the high refresh bandwagon, and I have to think that's because if you ran a 4K OLED screen at high refresh, your battery would just evaporate, Bye-bye. probably. Bye-bye battery. Um, so, so you got that. Um, speaking of batteries, though, it does have a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. Uh, we have the Snapdragon 865. Uh, we have 8 gig of RAM. They've upgraded the cameras. They have a triple camera setup on the rear, and they're all 12 megapixels. So they're giving you uh, the normal dual pixel PDAF, you know, primary, which uh, I believe is the same sensor that the Galaxy S20 and S20 Plus are using, from what I've read. Okay. Uh, you have a telephoto lens, again, 12 megapixel, and then an ultrawide, also 12 megapixel. Um, you, they actually have done something kind of strange here. They've added the headphone jack back into their phone. So they took it out. They they did the same thing that other people are doing and then said, you know what, let's put it back in. So I actually commend them for that, uh, for adding the headphone jack back in. Um, and then you have the price tag, which in Europe is uh, 1,199 euro. It's 1,200 euros? Yeah, which with VAT, which is their value-added tax, makes kind of a direct conversion kind of difficult. But let's just assume for sake of argument that it would be about $1,200 here. Let's just say $1,200 U.S. Hypothetically, if this were releasing here. No. Just no. (coughs) Just no. Seder bug. Sorry, Seder, our mascot dog is... uh, 
She, even Maybe Sadie objects to that she, price she objects, point. She's pissed. She is saying no to that phone. She's saying that in dog speak is heck no. I'm not going to buy a Sony phone for twelve hundred freaking dollars. What? <sighs> Why? Okay. Let's just put everything aside. This oh, and also 256 gig and an SD card. I did forget that. I, okay. So I like this phone. Okay, look, hear me out. The name is shit. Shitty, shitty, shit, shit. Um, the price is completely out of control. But the form factor is actually really... The 21.9 does make sense. There is a logical case for media is shot on that. And when you're watching 16.9 or 18.9, it scales nicely and makes sense. Um, they finally added a big battery. It's got a lot of storage, SD card, the cameras. Now we'll have to see what their processing does because this has been a huge point of weakness. And I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've always been bad. But the hardware at least is there. So, okay, let's see. The main problem is it's not being released on any carriers and it costs way too much money. So you're right. It's This is, this is dead on arrival. No one's buying this phone. But I'll be damned if I don't kind of like it anyway. I think we've reached a point where, like you say, we're at peak smartphone, and the fact that Sony is actually doing some good things here is really notable. But the fact that they don't have carrier support and still have the balls to think that they can charge twelve hundred dollars for it, and maybe it's worth twelve hundred dollars, I don't know. And you know what? Nobody else is going to go no either because nobody's buying this phone, even in the European market where Sony has some cachet, which isn't here in the U.S. But even in the European market, you have so many other options that are cheaper and just as good like huawei is making phones that would smash this thing every day of the week and twice on sundays and cost less so just not with google play services though son <laughs> google so this is never the heard problem, of them. Who, like who's this google you keep talking of where we like phones if we wanted to see this phone we can't even do it like i literally maybe best buy will have it on display doubt it they tend to have Sony phones on display, so it's possible, I guess. I, but yeah, would, like ultimately, it is kind that, of yeah. like, yes, who's buying this phone? Where could you even see one if you wanted to? Um, and but it's nice. It's kind of nice. I kind of like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna channel my inner Randy and go. That's gonna be a no from me, dog. <sighs> it's hard to completely argue. All so, right. So speaking of things that are hard to completely argue. Um, we got some information that Microsoft might be releasing their very, I would say, anticipated mobile phone device, the Surface Duo. Uh, two screens, super hinge, working on Android, working with Android to get that dual display thing to be really smooth and really fluid and really intuitive. Although some of the recent leaks uh, showed that maybe they got a long way to go with that. But Look, man. Prototypes crash. That's true. This is true. While, while at large events in front of lots of people. I hard agree. No question. <laughs> Apple's had this issue too. I, no one's immune from it. No. Okay. So full disclosure, not bashing on Microsoft for those kinds of things. But the leaked information about when they were going to launch it and what it's going to launch with have me a little concerned. So, okay. <sighs> When they announced this last year, the prototype was running on a Snapdragon 855, and they said it would release on holiday 2020, which was a year away. It's like, that's a freaking long time. So it appears what we're looking at here now is they have managed to, the software is going smoother than anticipated, and it looks like they may be able to finish the software by the end of April. And what they're talking about doing is effectively bringing out like an enthusiast launch, uh, smaller release, perhaps starting group. 
as soon as August, which makes a lot of sense. Like you would want to get in front of that season. That's about the time the full two should be out. Um, the note will be coming out. So if you're if you're a productivity device, which this is supposed to be, it's duo season. <sighs> What? Can we edit that out? <laughs> I'll get it in post, don't worry. <laughs> All right. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's like you would want to release it earlier. Uh, we still don't know a price point is the other key piece of information here. Um, I would say the thing that in this leak that gives me the most pause is the fact that they are indeed looking at launching it with an S855 and 6 gig of RAM and the kind of the default configuration. And it sounds like there may be like, I don't know, higher end SKUs or whatever. But here's the deal. In and of itself, that is fine. The 855 has shown itself to be a capable chip. We're both on phones that are running the 855, right? And 6 True. gig of RAM is not, you know, the end of the world. I think it's fine. Um, a lot of things are launching with 812, even 16 now. I think the issue for me is this. if Depending on the price, if you're trying to charge like a flagship price for this, boy, that seems a bridge too far for me because... First of all, the device itself has pretty sizable bezels and looks fairly old in some ways, in all honesty. But it's sleek, it's thin, you know, it, it, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. But um, the camera's a real wild card. And it looks like there's some weird stuff. Like, they showed this peak feature where you can open it up a little bit and see, like, a peak thing. But it's, like, it's still weird. If I'm a user, do I open it up all the time and have it open? Do I have to peek all the time to see anything to use the camera? It looks like I have to unfold the device all the way. You already have this kind of seam in the middle, but that also, as far as dual screen, solves some things because everything's covered in glass, so it's much less fragile, right? Yep. yep. Um, but if it releases for like $1,200 and it has a Snapdragon 855, it has these giant bezels, the camera's mediocre and it has 6 gig of RAM, it's kind of like, who's... Unless the productivity stuff is off the charts amazing, I kind of look at it and go... Eh, not so much for me. Yeah, and I think this is kind of, um, and I'm just really quickly glancing the 9 to 5 Google coverage for this because these are the things that kind of jump out to me. So we've already talked about this is a first-gen product, right? So much like the Galaxy Fold, it's probably going to have some issues, right? So, but again, a lot of stuff we don't know. Uh, we don't know the price. We don't know what the cameras are going to look like. Some of those things from a from a consumer or prosumer market might make a big difference, but from a productivity or maybe if the, the niche of people who are going to buy this device are largely going to be professionals, then maybe they don't care about that that much. But here's what does concern me. So the 855 means right off the bat, you're not gonna get integrated 5G, which again, 5G, not a huge deal right the second, but if this phone launches in summer and you're gonna have it for a couple of years as you move into 2021, where 5G rollout and spectrum availability will be much larger, you might like to have it on board, especially if you're in a T-Mobile market and you can get some of that sweet, sweet mid-band 5G spectrum after the merger with Sprint goes through. So just not having it is worse than having it even if you don't use it because you just don't have the ability to use it um, and the processor by the time 2020 run rolls around will absolutely be a two-year two-year-old processor two-generation old processor and maybe the 865 isn't the be-all and end-all but as we move forward into 2021 and that second generation of that 865 gets to be much more of a uh, much more of a, a refined processor, kind of like the talk to the tick generation. Some of those things are going to be noticeable. The other thing that they're talking about is that entry-level model having 6 gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage is just a joke. I mean, this device is not going to have SD card support, right? Unclear. I mean, we have a lot of things that are unclear. I still don't know if it's LCD or OLED. I've n I know the resolution, but I don't know anything other than that. I don't know if it has a right, high refresh rate. 
I don't know the battery size. So, I mean, and the cameras, the prototype they showed didn't have a camera. So we've seen now one out kind of on in the world that did have a camera, but it has a camera on the inside. It's got it on like the right fold. So if you want to take a picture of something, you have to unfold it all the way. That was like, yeah. let's just do this. Um, and then it would shoot from the back. And if you're taking a selfie, you're like doing video chat, I guess it would be folded towards you. But there's just so many unknowns about this phone. It's like, man, you can... I think you can overlook a lot of things for... Especially if the software is really good. Especially if it has the productivity stuff. But it's like, okay. So now, to be clear, I may be paying as much as... Price is unknown, but either an S20 Plus or an Ultra. I'm getting potentially a low refresh LCD screen with huge bezels. A camera that very well may not be competitive. And definitely it only has a single camera. So I'm definitely either like... Is it one ultra wide? Do I, you know, you're probably not getting the all the different things you're getting. Yes, twenty cameras, no yeah. flexibility. Um, six gig of RAM versus much higher. And again, if it's a productivity device, like I, I doubt I'm using all of the twelve gig of RAM in my stupid One Plus Seven Pro all the time. But it is, again, if this is marketing itself as that, you would think you would at least want to have like eight or something. Um, and you know, it's just that's a lot to give up. And then a chip that's from January of two thousand. 19. 19. Yeah, I mean, it, which is weird. that It's it's about a year and a half old at that point, but it's like... And going into two years old, by the time that a lot of these will be in the hands of people who are using them. And the software, we still have question marks on. Like A lot of people were talking up the fact that Google was partnering with Microsoft because it's, it's a big deal. Like These are two companies that traditionally haven't really had a, a working relationship together to speak of. And Microsoft has had its own mobile device platform in the past and did not go so well for them. So the fact that they're willing to consider Android as the operating system for their device is is a really unique and, and awesome thing. But Google also hasn't shown at this point that they have the ability to just really go all the way in with mobile devices with multiple screens. Uh, even the LG solution, um, not exactly that. It's literally two separate displays, which kind of is what the Duo is, but you want to make them work like it's one display. So taking like kind of like a dual monitor setup, like you take it from one side and you move it over to the other. And those are things that the Windows operating platform has been used to and has been doing for years, but that Android hasn't necessarily been had to do in the last long time ever. So the fact that there are so many unknowns for this device, give me pause. And the fact that things that we do know also give me pause. I just, I, I really, I want this device to be successful because it looks really cool. And Panos Panay's launch event where they were talking about all the Surface line and kind of previewed the Surface Pro X and he previewed the Surface Duo. And, and what was the other Surface product they did, the tablet one? The X. Yeah, was it the X? I can't remember. I, was, I thought there was another. It was Duo. And, oh, the Neo. The Neo was the other one. So Oh, the bigger, yeah. The bigger yeah, one. so there's they had a lot of like really awesome stuff going on there. But the fact that we're getting leaks of information that make you go, Get, what? I, I just, I, I'm worried about it. And I, I really would like to see Microsoft succeed in this arena. And I'm concerned now that this will be a very poor start. And Jesus, I'm reading the article again and I missed the part where it, the base SKU is 6 gig and 64 gigabytes of storage. Actually, the 64 gigabytes of storage is the thing that's way... 
Budget phones have 128 gigabytes now. If this is a thousand dollar plus device, we shredded the uh, Pixel 4 launch for basically having 64 gig as the cheaper base configuration. You're like 64 is just not enough, especially without expandable storage. If you can't come to the table with 128 gigs these days, yeah, it, you're. If it, this doesn't have an SD card slot, it's literally a. It's. I don't want to say DOA. Let me, let me not. Let I don't me, want to say DOA. Get, I was going to say literally unusable, but I don't want to be one of those people that uses literally incorrectly all the time. Um, it, it would be very difficult for me to view this as someone's primary device for especially productivity stuff with 64 gig of memory. Because the, the OS takes <clears> a huge chunk, and then apps alone at this point are getting so big that that would be a real stretch. And it sounds like there's going to be skews with more ram and more storage that but again like money. then the base better be f i guess if they surprise the hell out of us and the base is like 799 i would still not be happy with 64 gig of storage but i guess it would be maybe more understandable but i think it's more likely to be a thousand and at that point it man i don't know yeah that's my thought was like it's probably going to be 999 to as the base model and people are going to go no like just no absolutely not what an odd decision and especially as Microsoft moves and transitions back into maybe being a mobile phone. I was going to say mobile device, but they have mobile devices. They make Surface stuff, books and laptops and all kinds of stuff that is mobile. Like you can pick it up and take it places. But mobile phones, as they get back into that market, this is this seems like Windows buying Nokia and pumping out Windows mobile phones. That's got that disaster and tragedy written all over it. And it's sad because I think that Microsoft has a lot of intellectual property that they can take from their laptops and Surface Books and the Surface line in general that they can incorporate and make really great hardware in terms of phones. But I just, I ooh, I cringed when I saw this report and it, it made me feel bad. It made me feel as bad for Microsoft as I feel for LG, which I thought wasn't possible, but turns out it is. I think the Gen 2 could be awesome, assuming they get there, though. Like, if you had this with tinier bezels and the, the current processor and more RAM and more storage, it's like, I think it's still a pretty cool concept. But this one, depending on price and what they do here as far as strategy, does it sell so poorly they never get there? Could be. And uh, like the song says, if I was looking at this device for Gen 2, I would say, I'll see you when you get there. I'll see you when you get there. I'll edit that out and post it. Don't worry about it. I'm not dignifying it with a response. You just did. Got him. Okay. Um, what else? We have anything else that we didn't talk about? I don't think so. Okay. Nothing that matters. I mean, Vivo has their little Apex non no port. What do they call it? Apex Pro? Vivo Apex. Vivo Apex 2020? Sure. No ports. Giant waterfall screens. Underscreen camera. We've already had this conversation. Don't go chasing waterfalls. I think, is that the device that um, uh, MKBHD had recently? No, that was the Mi Mix Alpha. No, Mi Mix Alpha. There you go. So Which, I knew it was one of those. Seeing it in his hand was even more of like, how in God's name do you hold this phone and what do you do with it? I, yeah, I freaked out when I saw it, turned off the video, and I haven't watched it since. I still love, though, that Chinese companies will just like... They're willing to just say, fuck it, let's try something really bizarre. I, I get, I, like, I'm always interested in that idea. And there, there is definitely uh, the way that iteration works in the Asian markets is 
we're going to have like 23 smartphones a year to a month. Let's just punch it out. The Indian market's the same way. Like the only way they can capture mind share is by innovating and iterating constantly. And so that is definitely good for the industry, but it's not something that always leads to evolutionary success. Uh, and having a phone that has a screen around all sides where you really don't know where to hold your phone, I don't think is one of those things that will ultimately find its way to the U.S. market. Yeah, man, you're going to have some failures along the way, but sometimes you got to take the swing. It's true. And I applaud them for doing it, but uh, hell no, not going to buy that phone. So it's- I think that's probably a good place to leave it. <laughs> I hope, but um, thanks for listening or thanks for watching. If you're checking out the video podcast on our YouTube channel, make sure you like and leave us a comment below if there's anything else that you'd like to see us talk about in the future. We will be back with the, uh, what's the next smartphone event that's coming out? I don't know if there's an event. We have Google I.O. and Apple do their stuff. So we have that coming up in the upcoming months, assuming... Coronavirus doesn't kill us all. Assuming we're still alive. Uh, Yeah, so we'll definitely have some feedback after the developer conferences come and go. And uh, again, make sure you like or favorite the channel, wherever it is that you're hearing or watching the show. We appreciate it. If you have any feedback for us, make sure you drop a comment below. And thanks again for watching. We'll catch you next time. Fun times as always. Take care, everybody.